States have long engaged in efforts to restrict access to mifepristone, a drug used for medication abortion. However, when such laws tread into the FDA's purview over drug safety and effectiveness, they could be vulnerable to legal challenges. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Patricia Zettler, an Associate Professor of Law at The Ohio State University Moritz College of Law. Professor Zettler has co-authored a perspective article about conflicts between state and federal law and access to medication abortion. Professor Zettler, could you start by explaining the typical treatment approach for medication abortion? What drugs are involved and how do they work? That's a great question. I can tell you which drugs are involved. I am not a physician by training, so I am not going to tread into how they work or sort of other aspects of medical care. But the two drugs typically involved in medication abortion are mifepristone and misoprostol. And mifepristone is sometimes known by its brand name, Mifeprex. And then how and why have states tried to regulate access to mifepristone in particular? States have tried to regulate access to mifepristone in a variety of ways. When FDA first approved mifepristone over 20 years ago, Oklahoma proposed a bill that would have banned the prescribing, dispensing, or distribution of the drug. That bill was not ultimately passed, but states have taken steps that have been successful to restrict access to the drug before FDA expanded the indication for mifepristone from use through seven weeks of pregnancy to use through 10 weeks of pregnancy, a number of states had enacted laws or regulations to restrict use to the on-label use, meaning that healthcare professionals lacked the discretion to prescribe off-label through 10 weeks of pregnancy. After FDA approved the broader indication in 2016, states have taken other steps to try to restrict access, including requiring that it be physicians who prescribe the drug rather than non-physician healthcare professionals, and even more extensive restrictions on access, including 24-hour waiting periods, more requirements around what kinds of facilities can dispense the drug. And just last year, Texas passed a law known as SB4, that prohibits, among other things, prohibits prescribing after seven weeks of pregnancy. So you write in your perspective article that the FDA has a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy for mifepristone that's hampered access to care. So what exactly is a REMS and what conditions has this one placed on mifepristone access? An FDA-required REMS is basically a risk mitigation program for a prescription drug that FDA can require when it determines that such a program is necessary to ensure that the drug's benefits outweigh its risks. And a REMS can include a number of different things. It can include communication strategies like Dear Healthcare Professional Letters, And the more restrictive REMS include things known as Elements to Assure Safe Use, and the acronym for that is E-T-A-S-U or ETASU. And REMS with these ETASUs, these more restrictive elements, can require that there be certain documentation before a drug is dispensed. So if a drug is a teratogen, maybe there's documentation that the patient is not pregnant, that kind of thing. It can require that prescribers have special training, that pharmacies and other dispensers have special training. So there are a number of different things FDA can put in place through these REMS to help ensure safe use of the drugs. One aspect of the mifepristone REMS that has been particularly controversial has been a requirement in the REMS that the drug be dispensed in person. 
which would mean that the drug cannot be mailed to a patient or something like that. That requirement in the REMS for in-person dispensing also has had the effect of limiting the use of telehealth. FDA, during the pandemic, declined to enforce that requirement. And then in December of last year, in December of 2021, announced that it would formally remove that requirement from the REMS. That has not happened yet. But the sort of overall picture is that the REMS for mifepristone includes a number of different requirements and that in-person dispensing requirement has been one of the more controversial requirements. So the crux of your argument in your article is that with or without this in-person dispensing requirement, state laws that place additional limitations on mifepristone access might be preempted by federal law. So can you explain that argument and how it could be used to increase access to medication abortion? Sure. So the general idea with preemption is that there's a clause in the U.S. Constitution known as the Supremacy Clause that says that federal law is the supreme law of the land. So this means that if states enact laws or regulations that conflict with federal law, federal law wins. And there are a number of different theories on which courts can rely to conclude that federal law has preempted state law. With respect to uh, mifepristone, in the article, my collaborator, Amit Sarpatwari, and I argue that obstacle preemption is the theory that may be the most relevant. The idea with obstacle preemption is that the state requirements are thwarting the purpose of federal law. And so if we think about what FDA is doing with prescription drugs, when it approves a drug, it's making a determination that the benefits of that drug outweigh the risks for its intended use. And when FDA is requiring a REMS, it's making a determination as required by the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act that the REMS and each of the requirements in the REMS are what's needed to ensure that the benefits of the drug outweigh the risks. But also it is required by Congress to consider burdens on patient access, burdens on the healthcare system, and things like that. So there's a complex balancing that the agency has to do, weighing patient access and burdens on the healthcare system, as well as what's needed for safe and effective use of the drug. In this context, we argue that courts could conclude and should conclude that state requirements that go above what FDA has required in the REMS can be understood to be upsetting that complex balancing that Congress has asked FDA to do when requiring a REMS. The Supreme Court is currently looking at some cases that may allow states to place additional restrictions on access to abortion. If that, in fact, is the way the court decides, what do you see as the next legal steps for supporting access to comprehensive reproductive health care? I think with respect to access to medication abortion specifically and access to mifepristone, it will depend a little bit on what those Supreme Court decisions look like exactly. Preemption arguments and legal arguments in general are very fact-specific, so I think it will depend what the Supreme Court says in any opinions. But I do think it will be useful for those pursuing access to reproductive health care and pursuing the protection of reproductive rights to continue to consider preemption arguments. Thank you, Professor Zettler.